to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome, welcome once again to this lovely podcast, Film to Film. The best film podcast in the world. Uh, I'm, my name is Iñak Lignero and I'm here with my good friend James Shergan. How are you doing, James? Uh... <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right, Nyaki. Uh Yeah, you know, sometimes I just start groaning and then uh, uh, it just goes on for a while. Maybe some uh, pigeons fly at me and then... Uh, and then, uh, you know, you know, strange, strange stuff, you know, eating some embryos, you know, the usual. Oh, shit. That doesn't mean that uh, Joe Biden won the elections. Uh, yes, it does. Good day for oh, yeah. um, for uh, pizza places around America. <laughs> well, I mean, especially the, the eating uh, fetuses. I mean, that, that's what the Republicans were fearing, right? So, <laughs> like... <laughs> Planned Parenthood is just going to be feeding fetuses to uh, to everyone. QAnon was right. Yeah. Um, so James, uh, have have you seen any uh, recent movies lately? Uh, I have been. Yeah. Uh, we ha- I saw uh, actually a few different found footage uh, films this week, um, which I think we are going to be discussing. Found footage. All right. So James. Is found footage a genre, or is it a subgenre? What would you call found footage? I think it's definitely not a genre to itself. I mean, it's a subgenre. Um, at, I would say of uh, of horror. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I actually recently looked at a, a, a Wikipedia to, to see what it means, because uh, so today we. Today we're going to be discussing Noroi and uh, Wreck. These are two uh, foreign found footage films, one from Japan, one from Spain. But when I was watching these two movies, I, I thought to myself, what is found footage? Because, I mean, you and I, we've seen other movies, right? We've, we've seen Blair Witch Project. We've seen um, the Hannibal Holocaust. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Hannibal Holocaust, <laughs> not Hannibal. Hannibal Holocaust. I would see that bad. movie too. Hannibal Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> Hannibal, Cannibal Holocaust crossover. Hannibal goes to uh, uh, South America. Goes to Peru. Goes in the jungle. And, I, and he's the one eating all the natives. <laughs> or, or they're both just trying to eat each other. Um, yeah. With a little bit of Chianti wine. Uh, yeah. Anyways, and all of this, all of these movies are really different. So when thinking about genre, you usually kind of group them into some sort of uh, concept, right? Like with horror genre, we're talking about vampires, zombies, hmm. we're talking about ghosts. But uh, we just literally named like right. four types of completely unrelated movies or a type of horrors. I, so the more I've looked into this, I, I, I mean, according to you know, Wikipedia, uh, it is a subgenre. And, but... It also mentions it as a film technique, mm. and I like that better. You know, I would consider that. I, I think you're right. I think that's a good call there, actually. I mean, in the same way that you know, some of these like uh, films that are intended to look like one take, like Rope or Birdman or um, or uh, uh, 1917, um, those films. I mean, th- you would never call that a genre. Um, where Birdman mm-hmm. and uh, 1917 are the same genre, that's definitely a film technique. So. 
you know, I, I think you're right. I, I, I guess, uh, I mean, like, these genres spend, span, like, ghost slash occult to, like, just cannibals. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense as far as, like, um, more of a film technique rather than the sub-genre. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And, and I think, you know, there's two movies that we watched. Noroi, as well as Wreck, definitely will hi- that highlight that, given that one is about curses and ghosts while the other is about zombies I guess Um, right but yeah no I just wanted to point that out uh, at least as a personal opinion Um, one thing I must say about found footage is it's kind of interesting how we don't see it anymore like in early 2000s so so I mean like, like cannibal holocaust that's you know from the 70s but it kind of became huge after Blair Witch Project in late 90s. We haven't seen much lately. Right. I mean, I feel like Cannibal Holocaust, I don't know if that inspired too many found footage films on itself. Um, I think maybe, um, yeah, no, I think, I'm trying to think of even just the Italian cannibal subgenre, um, if any of those are found footage, and I'm not coming up with anything. It's possible that yeah. one one other one was uh, like Cannibal Ferox is the other um, famous one there, and I don't I don't believe that's found footage. Um, so it's almost like uh, Blair Witch is the is sort of the spawning point for creating more of these uh, found footage films that are like Wreck and um, maybe No Roy would be part of that wave because Blair Witch nineteen ninety nine right if I remember right so these films yeah. came under a decade later so. I would classify both of these films probably as part of that wave. Um, uh-huh. That's my uninformed take, at least. Yeah, no, I think so, too. And I, and I think it's interesting how we no longer see that anymore. Uh, we're not seeing new found footage films. I don't know if it's because it had been over, overworked. Instead, we're seeing more of the this, uh, like, unfriend, uh, Unfriended on... Uh, what's the name of the other one in uh, Shudder? Um uh, Basically, like a computer host. screen host, yeah, yeah, computer screen kind of movies, right? Um, I mean, horror we, we keep on getting cheaper, right? Right? <laughs> I mean, horror has always been kind of very um fad oriented, I mean, like very trend oriented. So, what makes money, they'll copy. I mean, the thing with these found footage films, though, especially like No Roy, is like, man, you could do these films very, very inexpensively, like, th- mm-hmm. these are not high budget films at all. I mean. Rack has a few extra things going on, but even that, I would say, is probably most likely a pretty low-budget Spanish film. Well, yeah, actually. So, uh, looking at the budget of both of these films, uh, they're actually both about $2 million. Uh-huh. Both of them. Okay. So, so I mean, like, <clears throat> that's, that's, you know, not a lot for uh, films... One from Europe, one from Japan. I mean, those are two countries where they spend a lot of money making films. Right. Um, I'm surprised. Frankly, I'm surprised Noroi even cost that much to to do. Um, probably, uh, probably it all went on on uh, on the uh, actress uh, Marika Marika Chan. Mm. Yeah, it could have been because. Uh, because she was already like a known actress. Okay. And she's playing her she's actually playing herself in the movie. Okay. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, I could see some of it going to the cast. 
for Rack, I, I can see how they probably spent some money on the actual production there. I mean, we'll talk about that film when we get to it. But Yeah, definitely. So, anyways, uh, yeah, just kind of, I thought this was a good good two movies to introduce this uh, filming or narrative technique. Um, which, in, in a way, it's a really good way of saving money. I do think that this type of films are very cheap to make. But in the right hands, and I would say in these two movies, they were in the right hand. Uh, we certainly, I mean, they can be very impactful. And actually, it goes really well with horror. I think you could have this for action films and something else. Like Cloverfield is an example of horror, but also action. Right, right. Uh, um, but it goes really well with horror because horror is all about, uh, many times it's all about what's in your, in your head. So, anyways, uh, you know, let's jump into uh, Noroi. All right, let's do it. So, James, um, with Noroi, I did not like any of the one-sentence uh, summaries. In fact, there's, I think there's no easy way of doing one sentence, but basically, this is what I sort of made up based on Wikipedia. Uh, Masafumi Kobayashi, a journalist, and a paranormal researcher, while making a documentary called The Curse, disappeared after his house burned down and his wife was found dead. The documentary shows how everything happened. What do you think of that summary? Uh, I would say the only thing I would change is uh, the documentary shows some of what happened. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. So... Noroi, this is a uh, film directed by Koji uh, Shiraishi. Um, it was released in Japan 2005. Yep. An interest, interesting fact is that it had it was distributed in Japan, but actually had a very limited distribution elsewhere. There, and, and, and you and I, we, we kind of talked about this first, but before we get there, how do you like this movie? Um... I like this movie. Uh, I think uh, you and I watched this together uh, the first time uh, over a decade ago um, on sort of a crappy, I think it was a YouTube stream. Um, so an early mm -hmm. YouTube stream, probably in like 2009. Um, and uh, it's almost a good way to watch it in a ways. Uh, the quality of this film is not super high. So this is not something where you necessarily need to have a big screen to enjoy. But anyways, I enjoyed the movie back then. Um, I rewatched it for the first time um, just yesterday, um, and I think it. Uh, I think the quality is more noticeably bad um, mm -hmm. watching it now in 2020. Um, but uh, I think the film as a whole still holds up, and I think it's like still works as sort of a really unsettling uh, horror film. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the first when we watched it together. I'm not sure if it was in YouTube. It might have been uh, a copy you got somewhere. I'm not gonna say how, but I'm not sure exactly how we watched it. I remember <laughs> it's kind of like an that... STD. You just don't. You don't. You're never quite sure exactly how you got it, but you might have some <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I would say I, I would say um, that it was very effective when uh, when I first watched it. I thought it was very creepy. Uh, quite scary and we were in a ho during that time we were watching a lot of Japanese 
films and especially horror. Yeah. Um, and this definitely fits in very well with the J horror uh, era, where you know you have curses and ghosts. Um, when I rewatched it now, it was interesting because I've actually seen this movie probably three times, if not four. Because mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed it when I first watched it. I watched it by myself again, maybe like two years later, at night and in the dark, and it def- definitely gave me the chills. And I probably saw it a third time. And then this time when I watched it, I actually didn't watch it alone. I watched it with my partner. And, my, and uh, interestingly enough, my partner was not affected by this at all, or impressed, if you will. And I feel like the, the version we, <coughs> I watched just ne- like the last time, this time that I watched it, I almost feel like the quality was worse than before. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, th- there's only one source for this movie today, and that would be on Shutter. Yeah. Uh, and and the quality on it is interestingly bad. Yeah. Well, it's a question of if you should criticize. Um, for me personally, I think I would criticize uh, the Masafumi Kobayashi um, for using bad bam cameras for his filmmaking. Um, but I, I kind of think the quality is the same. Um, and I'm kind of surprised it's the same too. I think it's just mm-hmm. the the relative quality that we're used to watching on video is just so much higher these days that it is, it looks really grainy. I mean, considering this is only 15 years old, it looks right. like I don't want to say it looks bad, but it looks pretty low quality. Like looks like VHS quality. And, and I mean, it is supposed to look VHS quality. My issue my issue is not so much the VHS factor though. And, and this is the part where I, I'm not sure if it was, uh, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to put the blame on Shutter per se. I'm actually going to put, put the blame on the distributors. This movie, I mean, from all the information I gathered, it was very, like, the, it's released outside of Japan was very limited. I'm kind of curious whether or not there's actually good copies of this movie with uh, subtitles. I'd be curious too. Um... I mean, a film from this era should look way better than, uh, than I think, the Exa- quality that we saw. Exactly. So, I mean, like, I, I rewatched uh, a Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. and, you know, it also was supposed to be found footage from bad quality cameras, right? Like, you know, college student cameras. And, and it looks like that, but it looks a lot better, a lot less pixelated. And that's the part that actually kind of bothered me. Right. I mean, it bothered me in that I saw... Uh, the subtitles actually sometimes would be pixelated and there is no excuse for it. Like, right. stylistically speaking, it should look like a VHS tape. I, I have no problem with that. But when I see that the subtitles are blurry or pixelated, I think that that's a problem with a copy. Um, and I mean, again, no, I don't think it's Shudder. I think that's a, and, and this is not a criticism of the movie, neither, uh, nor of Shudder. I think it, it's more of a, I'm, I'm more commenting on, on the lack of access to whatever the original cut of this movie is. Right. With subtitles. Right. I'm actually curious whether or not there is any good copy with subtitles. I mean, neither you and I or, or I speak Japanese. So, like... Probably there, there might be a copy in Japanese that is in the best quality where you watch a VHS quality that looks like VHS and not VHS turn into digital form. 
Right, you right, know? right. Yeah, yeah, Um. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I don't have too much uh, to add but, to that. Yeah, but, I mean, this is a little rant. Uh, my apologies. But uh, overall, movie, I, I, in my opinion, still holds up. It's still very creepy, but also a very good product of the early 2000s, late 90s. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's very dated in that very specific time, um, partly because of the reasons we just talked about. Uh-huh. But the other part because of, uh, and I, I mean, and uh, I'm going to jump a little bit of, I mean, of what I love about this movie, and is that it really centers you in, I mean, not being from Japan, obviously, but it centers you in, in the pop culture that you had in the late 90s, especially, where you would have, and actually late 90s, I lived in Chile, not in the US, but in Chile, at least, you, you turn on the TV and you had all these paranormal like reality shows where they talked about like mysteries or aliens or ghosts or weird shit. Uh, and this movie encapsulates this very well, but in Japan, uh, especially with uh, with the uh, psychic uh, kid children and shit like that. Right. Now, what do you think about that? Right. I mean, I noted here, uh, usually I have sort of a column where I'm taking notes that just talks about like scene highlights and stuff like that. And mm. uh, the first half of the film is incredibly just all over the place. It's just really disjointed um, because there's almost like hardly scenes at all. It's almost just like one minute, one minute and a half clip. And it's a lot of what you're talking about here. It's sort of these like TV programs where we have psychics and stuff like that. And you're just like wondering how the heck all of this stuff fits together. And by the second half, Ooh. it sort of starts to um, uh, gain a little more focus and have more extended scenes where we're sort of following along one story. Um, but Ooh. yeah, it is a really interesting snapshot into um, Japan. And I mean, I've been to Japan a couple times. I'm, I'm like vaguely familiar with um, some of their culture. So it's... It's kind of nice to see. I mean, it does create this sort of unique um, feeling of being in um, in uh, Asia or Japan uh, uh, during mm -hmm. this time period and seeing their, uh, I don't know, seeing these shows that felt very, I mean, I'm not from that culture, but it felt fairly real to me. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it, it was almost, it's almost like, a, like, I mean, one thing I enjoy is like a jump in time and space where you're literally like are living the life of someone in the 90s in Japan. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, that's the part I appreciate the most of the first half. And if you're not into that, it could be boring. But if you're into that, it, it's really fascinating. Right. And the, yeah, the second half is the, is really the, the, where the, the, the meat of the plot is. Right, right. Yeah, I guess I, I think you're right there. I mean, I, I could see some people, especially people that don't have much interest in Japan, which is kind of like this really unique, kind of strange uh, culture to a lot of Westerners. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't, if you're not, if that doesn't sort of capture your attention, then um, the first half is kind of like you could check out pretty fast. Yeah. So, so what is your favorite thing about this movie? Um, I like. Um, I think the second half is definitely more sort of um, impressionable, but I, I, there's something about these found footage films that have like really uh, naturalistic uh, uh, performances and stuff like that. 
um, mm-hmm. that, that it makes it feel very real in a way. So I kind of mm-hmm. just like um, the way that it culminates. And I this film to me feels more like a happy accident rather than like a coordinated, like uh, storyboarded creation by like a master. Um, but uh, I, I just, uh, I like the way that the weirdness of the first half sort of culminates with like this, like uh, other story that we got going on and mm-hmm. into like this, uh, uh, I don't know, this really kind of weird, unsettling, disturbing conclusion. For me, the uh, sort of um, the highlight, uh, I guess, is sort of where they sort of split off um, and they're both chasing people through the woods and, and uh, uh, we got uh, Marika, I think is her name, um, uh, going off in the woods and then him chasing the tinfoil guy off too. So I don't know. That's kind of a rambling answer, but um, I just like the way that it sort of builds and builds and builds and starts out really, mm-hmm. really loose and unfocused, um, but ends up uh, at the end sort of just focusing in and, and being quite effective in its uh, horror in the last like half an hour or so. I agree. I agree. I, I think lore is probably one of the biggest things about this movie. Um, I, I think the world building in general, um, it does begin very disconjointed, but that is all for you to be immersed into, you know, what what the, the, the world and this plot, you know, goes through. I must say, though, I mean, when, when we talk about um, judgment calls, uh, the, the main guy, Kobayashi, very brave, very dumb. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you how, how you think this guy even ended up doing this job. Um, it's, it's like such a specific job. And he seems like a very ordinary person in a certain way. Well, so the, I, I think this is the part where I must ask you, like, do you ever watch Discovery Channel or, or History Channel more? And all their, like, nonsense shows, like Ghost Hunters and whatever else? Uh, not really, no. All right, so, and, and I think this is the part where, again, I, in the 90s, I used to watch that kind of crap all the time as a kid. These are all really regular folks. Like, they're just nerdy, dumb people who are like, ooh, we're going to investigate ghosts. Oh, here, ectoplasm. Oh, there's a noise. Let's run away. <laughs> and, and it's just a very common, like, uh, and, and it, they're all sort of documentary-esque. And, and I think, I mean, that's, what, that's the part where this movie definitely f- focuses. And that's why, to me, it's a, it's a trip back in time because that's that was the kind of crap that was in tv in, on my tv in chile at least um there were tv shows that were like that either local both local and also from the u.s again in history or discovery channel and yeah they all looked like it's usually like some really nerdy looking guy who believes in this kind of crap uh, i mean i mean you gotta be a, a type a special type of person to believe in this yeah and one thing about this movie that I do enjoy is how a lot of people make fun of them in this movie. Yeah, they do. Like, yeah. They do. They, like, it doesn't shy away f- uh, on showing how people are mocking them and they don't even notice that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but, um, but yeah, so I mean, going into this movie, obviously this is a show, we, we don't care about spoilers. Uh, one thing that I do like is, is how it makes certain characters very creepy right away. Uh, Junko Ishii being the most mm-hmm. creepy character. That lady doesn't do much in the movie. But she's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of in it for like two minutes. She just uh-huh. screams at him early in the movie, screams at him halfway through the movie, and then she hangs herself. <laughs> that, that, that's literally her whole uh, thing. But yeah, she is... Uh, She's good. I mean, like, literally that actress could have been on set for, like, like a day and could have been just done all her scenes. And she probably did. Yeah. And and one thing I, I enjoy about her is how she, the entire time, all she wants is for people to be respectful with her. Like, she's like, why do you just disrespect me? Don't talk to me with that tone. Get out of here. Kind of like... <laughs> like I mean she doesn't say much more than that it's like how dare you to talk to me that way yeah she never like attacks him or anything like that she just mm-hmm. kind of pushes him out but one thing I find uh, that, so I mean and you probably know the Japanese culture more than I do the most I know is uh, from, from taking Japanese class back in high school but like you know, there is a level of respect that people expect. Expect, and the journalist uh, Kobayashi actually he's not that respectful. Like he doesn't be like, he de- he doesn't even go like sumimasen or you know something like that. He's just like, is anyone there? Uh huh. Oh, I want to ask you some questions. Like he he never actually. So I'm I'm very curious. Had he been more respectful? Had he gone up to the level that uh, you know? Americans are taught in schools. Maybe she would have answered some questions. Yeah, what if he was, like, really formal with her? You think uh, the movie mm-hmm. would have gone differently? With the bows? Yeah. You know? She would have, like, told him about, um, you know, the embryos that she's collecting to uh, feed. It's possible. I, 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 think, uh, I think this movie is really about how lost in their ways Tokyo is. <laughs> So what are uh, things about this movie that, you know, because both you and I, when when coming up with this movie, we're like, oh, this was a really scary movie. Yeah. So like, what are are things that like made you feel scared or, you know? I mean, I feel like the first half of the movie, it's not that scary, but it does help to just sort of create like these kind of weird occurrences. So it sort of sets you off balance slightly. Um, mm-hmm. and then the, the second half is just sort of when you start to get into like eating babies and, and all that stuff. And like you, we eventually see Junko Ishii hanging herself. There's just some fairly disturbing imagery and mm-hmm. most of the techniques this film uses are pretty obvious, but, um, uh, I think it works pretty well. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like this film also it's like a lot of these scares are generated or at least a lot of the moments of like sort of possession and stuff are really really basically done they're just sort of people behaving normally and then they just sort of like look off and then maybe they start groaning or screaming or something like that 
Um, mm-hmm. There's something about that that just sort of builds and builds and builds and just sort of creates an unsettling feeling. This most recent watch, I can't say that I was like terribly scared watching it, and part of that might just be the rewatch aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, I think uh, I don't know. I, I think those techniques and stuff like that it, it works over time. Yeah, I agree. I think, especially the groaning, the uh, that I don't know. I remember when when I first watched it, like it was just resonating in my head. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of think that maybe there's, and like so many times when people groan, they don't actually like do anything. They don't like attack you or anything like that. Um, but mm-hmm. it happens, and you're just kind of like, uh oh. Uh oh! Anything can happen, and they happen at any moment. It's like uh, the actress uh, Marika; she makes pasta for uh, um, Kobayashi's wife, and and she starts groaning, and it's just like it's just the most mundane stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, um, and, and you know, I, I think the other creepy part. I mean, this movie doesn't show you much at all but a lot of it is in your head and if you're in that mood of being scared and thinking the worst i think that's when it it really gets to you and then and then you know the little that shows you the 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 uh or even tells you you know the the kids that or not kids but the young adults who hang themselves in the park uh with those weird knots um and they show you like the police pictures about it uh, Kana's fa- family, like, I mean, he's very brutal, but off camera. Like, you got Kana, the 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 girl with you know kinetic powers or whatever. Um, after she disappears, the family's sad, and then all of a sudden, not only are they sad, but they killed each other in a gruesome way, and 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 you're like, oh shit, okay, every single person who comes into contact with the situation will die. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, it, it almost gives the feeling just that watching this too, uh, it, it's sort of like something that even you and I could get together and do. It's like the effects and mm-hmm. stuff, they're nothing special, but the way that it's uh, framed and the way that it just happens out of nowhere, it, it just mm-hmm. it just works really well. Um, uh, I had one other thing to add too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. One one interesting thing I wanted to bring up too is that um, uh, <laughs> I, one thing that these found footage uh, films do is like because it's like meant to be amateur photography, they can get away with just like a lot of like kind of bad filmmaking that you probably wouldn't be able to get away with otherwise. It's like some of mm-hmm. these like replays of the stuff and stuff like that. It's like stuff like that. I would like ne- I would be like, what is this bullshit? If it was like a normal movie. But because it's sort of like this found footage film, that I'm actually like it's a lot easier for me to just like sort of uh, roll with it and be like, fine, mm-hmm. let's go back to this thing. So I think it's kind of funny uh, to see like uh, Kobayashi's mediocre filmmaking uh, kind of being, I don't know, it, it it ends up making it feel like something both we could do, but also like something makes it also feel more real. Right. Yeah. No. For sure. Uh- and, and it is that amateur feeling. Um, because one, one thing about this movie, unlike other found footage films, is that this one is supposed to be his finished product. It's an amateur finished documentary, 
but it's a finished product non- nonetheless. Yeah. So you do get those uh, rewinds, those slowdowns, and, uh, and, and they're really funny because like they already set you up with a... Yeah. This guy is not really a journalist. He's not a filmmaker. He's, you know, some, some guy who likes to research weird shit. Yeah. And writes books. So, question. Uh, are some of these techniques, uh, being the uh, person that watched more of these shows uh, growing up than myself, do they use some of these techniques in, in yep. those things? 100, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. No question. I mean, like, uh, you... So... Like, you know, I, I know you ever heard of uh, uh, the, like, there's a lot of, you know, myths that are completely fake, but uh, they used to be like, everyone thought it was real, like uh, the, oh shit, uh, Two Dads and, what was the name? Like, well, there was a movie, there was a, there was a movie in the 90s where there is a child that shows up in the window. Um, it's like Two Dads and One Baby or Three Dads and One Baby. I forget the name of the movie. It was a popular, like, very 90s movie. And anyways, like, there's a scene where they're holding the baby. And in the background, there is, like, what looks like a child on a window. But the characters are, like, in a four-story building. So, like, what the hell? So, in reality, what happened was... Probably someone fucked up in the filming of that movie. And left, like, a cardboard cutout of a kid or something like that. In, in the reality. In reality. But there, there were a lot of like theories that that was the ghost of someone who died in that studio or whatever. So any of the shows that you would watch, like they would show you the scene, all right? And then they're like, okay, now let's slow it down. Zoom into this pixelated child or a kid who's on the window and then put a red circle. You know, that kind of crap. Uh-huh. Or, I don't know. If, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the red circle. Even I know about the red yeah. circle. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know if you ever uh, watched the... Uh, Alien Autopsy. Uh, I did. This not. is like a okay mid nineties. Um, missing out apparently. You are. You are missing out. Basically, it was another hoax. These are all hoax. But it, it it was like you know this British people said like oh they found like some sort of alien autopsy, and like all different shows would show it and then they would slow it down and again really crappy zoom in into things that again all of this was a hoax and they were just trying to make money. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I mean, like, it even happens today, like, oh, ghost appearances and things like that, like uh, UFOs. Uh, UFOs are the classic. Oh, like, they, they will show up, you show you a picture and then zoom in into, and again, always very grainy, very bad quality, dot, and they're like, that is an unidentified flying object. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so this movie does a really good job at mimicking that. Right. Uh, it really, that's why, that's what I'm saying. Like, it really brings you back to, like, to me, it was like a little bit of time travel. travel. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, it's also, I think, one thing to note even further back, the two films we talked about at the beginning, Cannibal Holocaust and Blair Witch Project, where I think both of those benefited from existing in a time uh, before the internet for Cannibal Holocaust mm-hmm. and in the very early internet with Blair Witch Project where a lot of people went into those movies thinking that they were real and uh, or, or thinking there was some semblance of reality to them or, or well, just Blair not Witch Project, What Blair Witch Project actually used the internet. So Blair Witch Project used the internet to create like fake websites. Yeah. Uh, fake websites that created all the lore for Blair Witch 
that did not exist before. So yeah, anywhere anyone who's not from uh, Virginia, like you know, someone from Seattle looking at it, they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, is this real?" But I mean, like <laughs> now you just can't get away with that in the same way as like we have cell phones. The internet's like in a much different place than it was in 1999 or 1980. Um, so I think it's. Uh, Interesting. And this this film is uh, 2005, so it's a little bit later. I don't know if this mm-hmm. film's tricking anyone that it doesn't exist, um, but uh, it is kind of. I feel like those those uh, some of those uh, ghost shows and stuff like that from the 90s. It's like they benefited from um, like the lack of cell phones and stuff like that because it's like right. if this stuff existed, uh, people everyone has fucking video camera these days, so it's like we'd have a lot of video of this stuff. I mean. Yeah, I think you're overestimating uh, the intelligence of of people. Oh, I definitely am. Like, like, <laughs> like even even with the internet, you're you're overestimating the intelligence of people. Um, one thing, I bet one thing I will say that this movie does really well. Uh, basically, building to this, I don't like you know you watch this movie and you know this is fake, sure. But is the lore of the movie fake? You know, like the Kabutaba uh, curse. Is that fake or is that real? I mean, I looked it up and, and it's fake. But, you know, like if I didn't bother looking it up. Well, did you go to the original village in Yaki? Ah. So how do you know? Yeah, good question. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But I, like, I really do like how they build that up, though. Like, yeah. Uh, so, for, for example... You know, you, okay, you get the footage uh, of the uh, uh, of like the nineteen seventy eight footage, right? Uh, of Kabut, uh, of the ceremony to appease the the this ghost or spirit, and they go really in depth of onto the the bows. You know, the one bow, four claps, one bow, versus uh, the the classic shrine of two bows, two claps. Again. I don't know anything about Japanese culture. I did go to one, I did once go to a Japanese funeral, and I remember there were bows and claps. But beyond that, like I don't don't know much. But this, if this movie is telling me the classic is two bows, two claps, and then there is in the movie, and then there is they're doing like uh, one bow, four claps, one bow. It is kind of interesting, and you're like, okay, what's the meaning behind that? Is that something you know? What does that mean in general as a foreigner? And I'm I'm very curious, like for a Japanese audience who actually do know the bow rules, like what they're thinking. Uh, and you know, it, it, I I thought I thought it was interesting actually. When watching it, my partner did make a comment about how like this could be compared to like all the lore that is created behind Native American culture, because they're still alive. They're still people. They're still they they exist. The culture's still there. But none of us know about it. So if someone could just make things up and you're like, oh, this is a Native American ritual. Right, right. I mean, you could. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do like the lore. I do like how they completely build up onto that. And, uh, and, and the, especially with the dogs and the, and the sickles on the doors. Right. All of that. Um, so I have a random question about, uh, for you and Yaki. How, right. how is she storing those embryos? Because most of them are going to be really, really old at that point. 
Is she storing them? Well, I don't know. How is she feeding them to Kana? I don't know. Well, I, I uh, also. I, uh, how are the em- why are, how are the embryos crying? Yeah, I mean, good point. Good point. Um, uh, well, Japan has a very rich pickling culture, so I wonder if she's pickling the embryos. What do you think? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, you know, some really aged miso, some aged embryos. I don't know. That does not explain the crawling. I have no explanation for the crawling, but uh, you know. Some of those embryos could be like 20 years old at that point. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Uh, I mean, this movie is very anti-pro-choice. Um, clearly, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it did make me look up uh, Japanese uh, abortion laws. Uh-huh. And apparently, abortion is illegal except for almost every case. Oh, but 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 the whole point is that it starts at uh, at illegal, and then it creates exceptions, and the exceptions are almost everything. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Which is I thought it was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, completely unrelated to the movie, but uh, but I mean it could have some sort of cultural uh, uh, thing behind it, right? Because I mean they do emphasize a little bit of you know like how she was the head of a, an abortion clinic. How she was willing to do illegal abortions, so like you know, last ter- like late term abortions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, should we um, send this movie to Laura Ingraham? Do you think she'd air it? Or uh, what's that la- uh, lady, the uh, Trump's priest? You know? Oh, I know who you're talking I mean, about. Yeah, pro- that's probably a better bet than uh, the Ingraham. Anyway. Yeah. The 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 African Angels lady. <laughs> um. So I I do think I do agree with you that the ending is actually probably the most effective because it 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 is one of those those things that um, gets your emotions high and down. Like so, it starts off with uh, with them doing the ritual at the lake, right? And, and you you know you're consider you're, you're concerned about Marika. Chan, and then they do the ritual and she feels better well but at first she passes out and you're like oh fuck yeah is it, she gonna kill the journalist and then we also have hori being like uh-oh come back come back come back uh mm-hmm. uh and you know all of that is very curious no i mean yeah. just... i mean hori also i mean great character he's just like the the crazy guy that it's like whatever mm-hmm. he says you should listen to him should you though? Uh, yes, until he becomes possessed at the end. In that case, don't listen. To right. Him. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the dude ran into the woods, which was not helpful. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Proceed. Proceed to talking about the scene. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, so at first you're relieved because of uh, Marika's son is, like, feeling better. And then you go into the woods and you see probably always the most horrible thing you'll see in films, especially for a Western audience. Dead dogs. (laughs) And and a shit ton of them. Yeah. Um, 
and then you know, and then you see the ghost of Marika uh, of uh, of Kana as she's eating the embryos. One thing I must say is, when it comes to special effects, probably the weakest elements were the ghosts. Mm-hmm. When you saw them, um, I think when we watched it back in two thousand five, they were kind of impressive. Maybe they were not, but we were more willing to let it slide. But watching it now, it's just like, yeah, it looks really weird. It's just kind of like mediocre CG of some sort. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, I watched uh, this one of the director's follow-ups, uh, Occult, which is also a found footage film. Um, uh huh. And that film uses way more effects, um, and I think much to its de- detriment because they just don't hold up that well. Like these right. sort of cheaper effects from that era. I mean, I think one of the good things with this one is it does have a couple effects that are, you know, they're okay. I mean, I don't have a huge issue with the, the what you're talking about, but it's not like mm-hmm. an effect that you're gonna be like, uh, be like, I hope they remember me for this thing. Um, it's 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 an okay effect, um, and but they just right. don't use it that much. So um, uh, compared to yeah. this follow up film, so it makes me more okay with it. No, I, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I think, I guess my con- my concern is like, those are like the creepier moments. So as an image, right? Seeing a little girl eating basically babies mm-hmm. is, is sort of a, a creepy, it's a creepy image. And it, it, it gets lost with not only the focus of it, but also the movie does that slow down, <laughs> show you again the the footage, and you can see how bad it looks. Yeah, yeah. I will say what does work well with that sequence is in the moment uh, how he looks away and then it goes back to it and then it's gone. Sort of that stuff oh, yeah. where uh, where it's faster. But yeah, I mean the lookbacks. The lookbacks are also like cheesy <laughs> and uh i mean right. in that case i would say it actually is to the detriment so i think i agree with you just because the effect itself isn't that good it's almost better if you just flash it up real fast um and mm-hmm. you can't really tell uh see that it's as mediocre as it is right what one thing does it's funny because like you, you image wise not great but sound effects really good because you have those crying baby sounds mm. and they're eerie and that they're like you know yeah it's creepy overall yeah well you i'll tell you i once uh, processed the audio of this podcast and you have uh-huh. there's the audio of five crying babies on your audio have i ever told you oh that? yeah yeah no no <laughs> no it must be uh the the, the five babies that were kicking <laughs> Daily, and your your partner definitely works in an abortion clinic too, right? No, but we steal the babies there, and the, and they're not fetuses or embryos. We just jump, <laughs> take babies from the you know ward, and then bring them here just to kick them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, would you recommend this movie? Um. Yeah. Uh, I would. Uh, I think it's... I mean, I think for a lot of horror movies, it just depends who you're recommending it to. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I think this film works really well. Just the naturalistic feel of it. The rough, 
roughness of it too. I think it just kind of culminates into a, a pretty nice viewing experience. Yeah, what about yourself? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so too. I mean, there, there's some stuff that this movie does really well. Actually, like for you, what 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 kind of image stays in your mind? Uh, well, uh, I think the conclusion scenes that we talked about with uh, Kobayashi running through the woods and stuff like that. Um, as well mm -hmm. as, uh, I think the actual conclusion too, is also pretty haunting where, um, where Kobayashi is just kind of like writhing on the ground and, and we just see all this stuff happening to his actual family. I mean, probably the dumbest mm -hmm. thing he did was actually adopt that kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think both of those conclusions work well. Um, yeah. I I agree. Actually, that's a part I the, the one scene I think we didn't talk and probably the most effective being after the adoption of the kid that dinner on uh, on uh, the Hori just coming back right. and trying to kill the kill the little boy. Right. One one other thing too, and I think the score contributes to this too, is the sense of dread of the film because at the beginning mm -hmm. they tell you. That the that he disappears and his wife burns, so you know mm -hmm. even after he finishes documentary that this is going to end very badly. You just don't know how, mm -hmm. so it almost just makes you know that uh, stuff is going to go bad at some point. Mm -hmm. You know there's no happy ending to this, except for Marika-san. Uh, I guess so, but you almost are you you almost forget about her by the time the credits roll because just stuff oh, goes. Yeah so poorly for like literally everyone else in in the film no for sure i mean like uh on the imagery though like when you have a little bo like you have hori hitting the boy with the rock and then all of a sudden you see his disfigured head and then he's normal and then hori is just i don't he just leaves and the wife starts burning herself and the place burns yeah it, it it's and on all the screaming, all of that, yeah, music, sound effects. I mean, it, it, it's masterfully done. Like, as much as we were meant talking about how it looks amateur, it looks very amateur indeed, but that's on purpose. Everything on that is on purpose. And I do think that the director did a really good job at just creating that dread. Um, it does suffer a little bit from the uh, found footage. There, there is that found footage. Uh, I'm, I'm going into the Nate uh, area. <laughs> yeah. The Nate, the Nate pet, uh, pet peeve the, area. Nathaniel. Yes, the Nathaniel pet peeve uh, moment, uh, which is the, um, like, when the husband was hit on the head and he can barely walk. Why does he keep on adjusting the camera to make sure yeah, that yeah, yeah. he's in frame and the wife is in frame? Dedicated, like, just... dedicated journalist. You called him not a journalist? Kobayashi's a master journalist. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you think we should convince Michael Moore to make a film like this? <laughs> Michael Moore? I haven't seen his last movie. Yeah. I mean, in terms of build, he's kind of like Kobayashi. Kind of, yeah. And, and Michael Moore actually does a lot of... Uh, Physical is generous things that you wouldn't think he would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Noel Roy, Flint, Michigan. Oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway. Talking with Kabutaba. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I highly recommend this movie. I think 
Um, I think in comparison to many found footage films, this is not a lazy movie. This is very well made uh, and very scary if you are in the right mood. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta... Oh, I don't want to say turn off your brain, but, uh, you know, definitely give uh, the benefit, like, you know, just stop, stop, uh, like, just take things for what they are. And I think yeah. it's a very enjoyable movie. Yeah, this is not, yeah, this is not masterful Bergman-like filmmaking or anything like that, but it's an effective piece of filmmaking if you let it be. Mm-hmm. And with that... Uh, oh, actually, before that last thing, highlight, it's a very simple movie. And as you mentioned earlier before, there are no scenes. They're just moments. Mm-hmm. And very, like, homemade. Mm-hmm. And with that, we're going to jump on to Wreck. Mm-hmm. Another found footage film. Uh, <clears throat> this movie was directed, it had two directors, uh, Home. Balaguero and Paco Plaza. Uh, it's actually one out of a four movie franchise with also a horrible remake and um, same budget as Noroi. I guess the only difference between this one and Noroi, well, there's a huge difference in plot, but also like, even though they're both the same budget, this one was highly successful uh, in the international market, made a crap ton of movies, hence the American remake, which I think was called Quarantine. I don't know, I watched it once and I was like, this is really sad. Um, anyway, so Rec, thoughts? How do you like it and why? I think this is a really good movie. It's almost a polar opposite of uh, Noroi in a way. Uh, Noroi, especially early on, is really, really loose. And it, it then it creates sort of like this naturalistic feeling because it's kind of unfocused in a certain way. Wreck. Wreck, mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you take out the credits, it's 73 minutes long and it is tight. It has a story to tell um, over the course of just a, a, a nighttime, basically. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's good. I think this is a really, really good film, uh, personally. Uh, I rewatched it and I think it holds up uh, fantastic. 100% I agree. This movie is tight, it's short. But um, it keeps the tension high. And I think the only shortcoming maybe is that the characters are not 100% likable. But you like them enough. They're colorful enough. And, and more importantly, you feel trapped with the cameraman. Mm-hmm. Pablo. Pablo, exactly. The character whose name is probably most repeated in the movie, yet you never see. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, this movie is a very good movie. It also has a lore, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't care about teaching you about its lore. It, it just goes straight into it. Right. It's very self-contained. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there's no... I mean, I guess we do get a bit of lore at the last... Uh, 15 minutes of it but uh, I mean even that we just get a certain perspective this is not uh, your like a year of research like the uh, Noroi this is like oh fuck we stumbled upon all this information and we're going to take it in in five minutes <laughs> um, so right 
Right, right. What uh, one thing about this movie that I think makes it also very realistic are the characters. If you put yourself in the shoes of most of these characters, I think you know you you are, are not in the shoes, but if, if, I feel like if you know something like this happened in a building, uh, if everyone's just locked down in in a building full of zombies or whatever you would react the way they do like everyone's trying to be helpful but they're not right yeah i mean i kind of like how it gets into the human psychological drama in it too i mean any movie that any horror movie that kind of does that uh in like this really stressful situation sort of Mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of just like the thing and i always like it when they get into that sort of like um that drama where you're trying to work together but it's so stressful and there's inevitably going to be tension and people have conflict of interest. So everyone's sort of looking out for themselves too. Um, I just think right. it's um, really fascinating. And this film, that's not what this film is about, but I feel like it has enough of that where it's sort of, um, it, it's, a, it's a different way to approach and appreciate the storytelling of this. Yeah. Uh, when the, um, I also appreciate how like it starts off in a very low, low. Like it tells you don't have high expectations, right? Like she said, it starts off. I mean, for the pe- folks who haven't seen it, you know, this is full of spoilers. Obviously, I think we already spoiled a lot of it. But it starts off with you know journalists doing a, a show and oh shit, I didn't even do my one one uh, my one sentence. Uh... <laughs> I didn't my I didn't do my one sentence. So, one sentence, real quick. A uh, news reporter and her cameraman are covering firefighters' uh, intervention in a building. And what began as a routine emergency as, um, assignment escalates into something worse as a deadly virus spreads among building occupants, turning them into bloodthirsty cannibals. Escape is impossible as the government has surrounded the building to prevent the virus from spreading beyond it and the pair continues to record the event unfold inside of which the film itself is the final result now that's a really huge cheat on the one sentence uh <laughs> uh thing it's there's a lot of semicolons there yeah <laughs> but it does sum it up almost perfectly it, yeah that, that hits all the points it, it hits other points. Uh, one, one thing I love about this movie is that it does start in a very low, low lull, if you will, at the firefighter station, at the fire station, I guess, um, and escalates. As soon as you're in the building, you see blood. Yeah. Uh, and, and the gore in this movie is very present. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, uh, they spent their money in, in different ways than uh, Norway spent their $2 million. Yeah, the gore and stuff, it's good. Uh, I mean, I think it's impressive what they managed to do as far as just like set design and gore and uh, uh, with just that small budget. Mm-hmm. I love, for example, uh, the firefighter who falls, falls down the, uh, that you know gap in between the staircase. Yeah, and you just see the blood splat- spatter. That, that's splattering that's a great it. moment. Yeah, that's sort of like the moment when the film. Well, that's a moment that just sort of escalates the film too. Right. I mean, you already had the first bite. Right. 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 You have, yeah. 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 Um, and you see the older lady come trying to bite. 
people and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean it's it's a way where you just sort of get it just sort of interrupts your thought completely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I mean, this movie doesn't let you be comfortable at all. At all, like any moment where there's a little bit of a uh, space to breathe. Some shit happens. Right, right. I mean, I had to go to the bathroom about halfway through this movie, like 40 minutes in, but I ended up just like waiting until the whole film was done. Um, so it's just... Yeah. And it, it's just a film that you're going to watch start to finish and you're just going to be engrossed by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's super claustrophobic too. I mean, like it really gets you, it gets your emotions going. Right. Like you... you Whenever they're, you know, going to one win- uh, window to another and just like seeing uh, the police or the health department putting those uh, awnings or blocks in the windows as they're saying like, back away or we'll shoot you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that is just, uh, I, I don't know, you, you feel for some characters. Like you got, you got the cop who is completely powerless. <laughs> right. And then, and then you got the firefighters who are probably the most like reasonable characters in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Question for you: uh, Do you think this movie was inspired by like SARS? That's a good question. I I don't know. Because I can't it's... help but think of stuff like this in the host, which came out in two thousand six, uh, of being just sort mm-hmm. of inspired by that. Anyways, please go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no. I, I think, I, I think you bring a good point, actually. Because uh, I mean, when watching this movie, I can't help to feel like how I feel right now. Uh, you know, November twenty twenty, we got like a hundred new cases on average per day, and and you're like, that's a hundred thousand for you kids counting at home. A hundred thousand. My bad. Hundred new cases in this building alone. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no but a hundred thousand new cases, and fuck, that's scary. And like, you don't want to go outside. And then you see these characters, and and it, and it's almost like they're containing. It's like the, the the entire Spanish government is containing COVID in one building. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you got trapped in the COVID ward of a hospital. Uh huh. And yeah, it's terrifying because like no one wants to catch it at all, and and everyone blames each other, and of course, just like with COVID, the people who get most blamed are the Asians. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, even though it wasn't them in the end. No, it's a fucking dog. It's the damn Portuguese. Well, yeah, but the dog got uh, got got it from. Uh, the uh the portuguese. the portuguese girl yeah so yeah yeah i mean imagine if coronavirus could come through uh animals more commonly too i mean it'd be <laughs> it'd well didn't it come from a, pang- a pangolin yeah but imagine if you could pass it to a cat to someone else too like that would be a common mode of transmission i mean it's not, oh shit it's yeah not, yeah but yeah oh it's not I mean, we can give it to animals. Remember how the New York, uh, New York Central Parks uh, tiger got sick with COVID? Right, right. I mean, yeah. We, we, we can give it to them, but they cannot give it to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, before we got to the Portuguese... So I forgot the conclusion of this totally. Um, I forgot uh-huh. about the Portuguese girl. So I was like starting to wonder what the origins of were. And I was like, did a bat start this film? That's like immediately where my uh, mind went. 
My, mine was on the dog. Uh, I, well, I remember that the dog had something to do with this. Because, mm. I mean, this is my second time viewing it. Probably it's yours as well. Yeah, yeah. We watched this together. Um, uh, Back in 20, 2009, yeah. probably. I think at your apartment, if I remember right. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and back then, like I, I remember. I mean, back then we didn't know where it came from, and it could have been like, oh, it could be in the Asians, it could be whatever. Rewatching it, I remember that it was the dog. Okay, there you go. When they brought when they brought out the dog, I remember that the dog and the little girl had something to do with it. Uh, I did not remember the Portuguese uh, subplot with. <laughs> With the, you know, devil and whatever, like, right, you know, right. some sort of... And have you seen the sick book yet? I have not. Have you? I have not. I've heard that uh, they continue on that sort of, on that plot of possession and, mm. and evilness. Um, I, I kind of want to watch the sequel. Apparently the second one is good. The third one is not good. And the fourth one is really bad. Yeah, I think I've heard something similar um, about this. Uh, let me ask yeah. you something, too, about the genre of this film. How do you classify this mm -hmm. in sort of like the subgenres uh, of this? Is this is this to you a zombie film? Um, yeah. Or is it like an occult? Um, or is it like some combination of them? I, I put this squarely in the zombie genre. Okay. Like, because although, although at the very end, you know, the, there is this cult-ish, you know, religious theme happening the zombies i mean the zombies the, the cannibals zombies or whatever we want to call them they act like zombies mm -hmm. they die they wake up they attack you they bite you die you wake up you attack bite yeah um so i put this within the zombie genre because mind you the zombie genre before romero that you had white zombie and that was more of a cult. So, I mean, the, even right, the zombie right. genre sort yeah. of comes sort from of that. Sort of like that Haitian, Caribbean, uh, voodoo magic sort of stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I guess it's because Romero uh, sort of just, like, engraved his name so strongly into the genre that this film feels quite different from his original trilogy, at least. So, it's, like, almost mm -hmm. like I didn't think of this as a zombie film when I was going to watch it again. But it, it almost is totally a zombie film. It's just a different, yeah. different way to approach it. Um, one thing, <laughs> I mean, in the, actually, when, when it comes to Romero, though, you, you got to remember the quote from, uh, Dawn of the Dead, that when hell fills up, the dead come to, uh, to, back to, to become living or whatever. I, I don't know that quote exactly, but something like I know, that. I know which quote you're trying to say. Uh, and, and, and I think, like, even there, like, Romero sort of, like, you know, pays, pays tribute to the cult or religion behind the possibility of the existence of zombies. Right. Because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, it could be a cult. It could not be. Like, the, the possessed girl, was she possessed or was she a zombie to begin with? Uh, what do you think of, uh, speaking of that, since you forgot about it, what do you think of that, of the, the end of the movie and, and the uh, Portuguese girl? I think the end of the movie is fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Did you watch this with your partner real fast? No, uh, no, I did not. Okay, because uh, I would have been curious if she would have found this scary. 
because I have uh, I've been watching quite a few horror movies this year, and to be honest, I I don't find most horror movies uh, particularly scary. Uh, no Ride mm-hmm. to me wasn't that scary the second time around either. Um, this is my second time watching it. I think the last fifteen minutes is legitimately uh, quite terrifying. Still, I, I think mm-hmm. it's just super suspenseful, and uh, just like seeing the camera and like the night vision and stuff like that. I think it's mm-hmm. I think in sort of like the way it contrasts with like low sound to really high sound and like a lack of light to to like the the, the night vision. I think it's just really, really good. I think the conclusion is is almost perfect uh, in how it wraps up, um, and I think it's legitimately very, very scary. I agree. I agree. I think, unlike the the, unlike Noroi in here, the, the use of camera was very smart because the camera is the only way you can see, the characters can see what's happening, and is the only way you can see what's happening, and. And, you know, the the last zombie, it's creepy and, and it's holding a hammer, too. So you know that the, the zombie knows how to fucking, like, if it really wants to fuck you, like, to, if it really can fuck you up, it will fuck you up. And, and seeing that all in first pe- person is just, uh, and with the darkness and all the lights turned off, that's scary. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's loud too. Yeah, it's loud, and then it's like they're trying to be quiet so they don't hear, and then it's loud, and then it's quiet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really good. Uh, what do you think of the characters? Uh, you know, this is not like a huge character movie, but you know, I think they work well enough for me and just sort of like simple uh, stuff. I mean, like. You kind of need that reporter that's like, ah, oh, we got to film everything. We got to film everything. Uh, right. Pablo probably should have helped out a little bit more rather than giving us this great footage. But, you know, I, I'm thankful for the great footage he was able to get before he succumbed. Uh, I mean, he helped. Uh, he he helped uh, Yuri. Was it Yuri's name? Uh, Manu, sorry. Manu. Not Yuri. Yeah. Manu. He helped Manu with uh, one of the zombies. Yeah. I, I, I don't I can't say that especially towards the end that he totally pulled his weight but you know he was there I mean what could ha- he have done I don't know just like an extra body like if you're worrying about filming rather than like actually just trying to survive I felt like he was worrying about filming a lot I thought at the end he was just trying to see well yeah the only way they could the last see 15 minutes yes I agree um, and they come up with kind of a smart excuse to do uh to do that uh that i think works well but it's like when in the last uh i don't know the 15 minutes before that uh when it's like manu and, and all that stuff going on mm. yeah he should have turned out the camera and helped out yeah but th- thank god he didn't right yeah we, we got to watch all of that yeah <laughs> you know i felt like uh nathaniel was nudging me to say something about that so felt like i had to speak <laughs> up now we can move on past of our uh, plot holes <laughs> I also like the attitude of all the characters. Like, Manu was kind of... He was kind of an asshole. Like, even though he's a cameraman, he was just like... You could hear him and he'd be like... Get shut up, shut up. I'm trying to look, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and Angela... Like, Angela, like... She definitely, like, would bust some balls. But, like, at the same time... She was very smart. Like, my, uh, like the cameraman and, and Angela... 
were probably the smartest people there. Yeah. Honestly, Angela, I remember her kind of being a tough hang the first time around, mm-hmm. but this time she seemed totally reasonable to me. Like, I, I thought she, uh, I thought her character and the way she acted was good and naturalistic, which is basically what you want for a film like this. Yeah, no, I, I think she was realistic. Yeah. Uh, there were moments where you were like, all right, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> would you would you sponsor her plane ticket to Japan to hang out with Kobayashi and to research uh, No Roy too? I would. I would. I think. I think that would be a fascinating movie. I, I would enjoy the the psychodrama between uh, Kobayashi and Angela. They're such different characters too. Kobayashi is so calm. Yeah. And like passive and angela she's very active very like yeah. on your face oh yeah angela versus uh junko ishii <laughs> i mean she's like we need we got a report and just opens the door and <laughs> yeah. like, gets uh yeah. gets fucking uh pablo in there yeah <laughs> and Ishii's like what yeah she would either um die immediately or she'd get some a lot of good footage pretty fast yeah, the movie would have been really short, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because either way, like, if they broke in and saw all the fetuses, yeah. call the cops, cops arrest her, movie's over. Yeah. Or Angela gets possessed and starts going the, uh, noises, um, which would also be highly entertaining. Yeah. And everyone in Spain dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. Um... I remember it. It's funny. It's the first time we watched this movie. I remember um, Manu being a lot more memorable. Uh, the, the second watch, I mean, he's still memorable. He still like punches the zombie to death, but I just remember him being doing a lot more. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't do all that much for most of the film. It's just at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like to me, the most memorable characters might be Manu and uh, beyond Angela and, and Pablo it would be Manu, the cop, and Cesar, the Argentine guy. <laughs> Which, for you, I mean, like because they don't mention him as Argentine, you can only tell by the accent. But that guy was memorable. <laughs> Super racist too. Oh yeah, against the Chinese. I mean, everyone was though. Yeah. Like, like when they were like, "Oh yeah, my dad is sick." Oh, your dad brought this to, brought this to the building. It's like it could have been any, like the daughter, the mom's like the, the little daughter is sick the entire time, and like oh no, only if the Chinese dad was sick. That's that's the person who brought it. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of an interesting aspect to it too. Do you think the racism has aged well um, in a way that's still effective today, or do you? Do you think it didn't have a place in this film? No, I think it aged really well. I mean, like, yeah. let's be clear. We, we literally, in, in, in February, the Chinatowns of most of this country were empty because people thought that that's where you caught COVID-19 in the U.S. Yeah. For the sole reason that it was Chinatown. Yeah, now you just catch it in the Dakotas. Seriously, yeah. No, and, and like, but I, yeah, like, the, the level of racism, yeah, 
it's still the same. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it holds up too. Uh, so the racism aged well. <laughs> Which is the worst way to put it, but yeah, I agree. It, it feels, uh, it feels like it. Uh, I don't know. It could have been made about coronavirus in that same sense. Seriously, yeah, yeah. I mean, you as a part Chinese American, how do you feel about it? About the racism in this film? Yeah, I mean, in reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it. I think it's. I think it shows it in a fairly realistic way, and it just how. You know, people try to get along generally, and they probably get along generally with their neighbors, but it's like when stressful situations and stuff like that, we kind of fall onto these, like, base instincts and kind of that can be pretty ugly at times. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I think the way that it's portrayed in this film is is uh, effective. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there are some characters you didn't even know their name. Like, like actually, the Chinese characters, uh, I mean, I didn't even know they were Chinese, but the Asian characters. Yeah, they may not have been. Well, actually, when they were talking, it sounded like Korean. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. literally, I'm like they also look kind of Korean. So, I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure though. But, but they, but everyone was calling them Chinese. Yeah, which is probably realistic too. It's like they probably don't even know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the Asian characters didn't have a name, and then you got you got the Colombian, who you never see normal. Uh, she's a zombie to begin with, but they reference her to, to her all the time. It's like, oh, the Colombian. Oh, shit, it's the Colombian. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, did, so you do have a level of racism there. Yeah, did it remind you of um, Europe at all? Like, I don't know if you've been to Spain. I don't think you have, but um, uh, did it remind you uh, of, I don't know, the continent? Did it, make me think, did it make me think of Europe? I mean, to be honest, like, sure, but it also reminded me of Chile. Mm-hmm. Mm so like that, that, like that building, yeah. Like, it reminded me of a building my uncle lived in. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just in Barcelona last year around this time, and it does kind of bring me back to that too. So it's kind of cool to see that now, having been to um, the city it's filmed in too. Um, oh, okay. Certainly not necessary to enjoy the film, but I I do find it it brings a bit of a nostalgic feeling. I don't know if I'd want to be transported to that exact building. Um, but you know, I'd like to go back to Spain at some point. What do you think happened to the husband of um, of uh, Mari, the you know the 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 woman with the daughter, the sick daughter? Oh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, one of the things this film does that's effective is like usually films will give you like some time to regroup where there's like a lull in action. This film almost doesn't let up all that much. Um, like even Suspiria, right. you have like your exposition stuff where we learn about witches and stuff like that. But it's like this film, it, it's it's pretty nonstop, which is I think why it benefits from a short runtime too. Because this was mm. two hours, my God, it'd be the most exhausting two hours ever. Um, but what happened to uh, the husband? I have no idea. Do you know what? Happened? The husband was no, no. The husband was outside the building. Oh. So presumably he is okay, or he's spreading it more. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that that's what I'm curious. And I mean, like that's the part where I do want to watch the sequel, like just to see what happens. Although, as far as I know, the sequel is actually set in the building. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Um, right. I mean, one of the cool things about the ending of this film is she gets dragged away at the end, and like uh -huh. if you just saw this film, you'd assume that it's the Portuguese girl that gets her, but it could be like it could be anything. 
Could be like the government. Yeah, it could be yeah, any yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, and also, there's a little boy. Oh yeah. So so when and 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 that these are these are like the the things that the movie leaves open. So when uh, the cameraman still has light, he puts you know he he's at the attic and he looks at the attic of the attic. Weird, but uh, and he like pop, uh, pops the camera up trying to see what's in there. And then there's a little boy that shows up and breaks the camera's uh, light bulb. Mm. So, you know, they, they never explain the boy. Yeah. Like, what the fuck's going on there? See, if this was Kobayashi, he would have rewound in slow motion and we would have, we would have done that little thing. And uh, Although we, we do get one scene with that rewind and that's rewatch. True. That's true. Yeah. Um, it, so for this movie, probably my favorite scene or favorite shot, because again, this movie like that. The one thing about found footage is that it, they don't necessarily have scenes; they're kind of all continuous and jumbled. Right. But one of my favorite shots is when, uh, after Angela finds the key and she walks out and is looking for Manu, the camera just like points down and you see the, the entire staircase. And how all the zombies are looking up, including Manu. Yeah. And you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that that's one of my favorite shots of the film too. It's just, uh, yeah, that's that's a, a, it's a real visceral thrill. Just that shot. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, every, like they're fucked. Yeah. Like, the, there's no fucking way they can. Yeah. Get out anymore. And Manu is like the badass too. So you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Manu. And he's holding an axe. He's still holding a fucking yeah. axe too. And then they're just running up the stairs and stuff. I mean, uh -huh. yeah. I mean, somehow you'd think that would be the conclusion, but nope, there's another 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, you you would almost feel like the, the whole Portuguese and, uh, you know, devil's possession plot at the end wouldn't work. But it does. It works really well, in my opinion. It, it it almost feels like a different movie, but you, but it's so well tied in. Right. Even if you don't understand the lore, you're like, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but like, I'm scared. Yeah, I think you're right. I think because if someone pitched that to me, I'd be like, what? what? Why are we doing this at the end? It's like, this is our movie, the stuff about zombies. But somehow the, they pull it off in this film really well. Uh huh. Yeah. So what would you rate this movie? Uh, I give this movie a 9 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, probably 9 out of 10. How about uh, Noroi? Uh, I also like Noroi. Noroi has more flaws. For me, I almost want to give it a 9 too, but I'm going to give it an 8. I would say so too. Yeah. I think, I think we're on the same page on these two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Noroi in my heart, what? it's a 9, but it's... It, it has a lot more flaws than this film. It, it's, I think this Noro is a lot more creepy. Right. It, it has the Japanese ghost creepiness factor. Right. And I mean, like, uh, as a genre, like, J-horror, J especially ghost and, and curse horror, like, it sticks with you because it's creepy. Yeah. That's true. It has very memorable um, uh, imagery and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, I do feel like actually this really highlights how different uh, found footage can be, though, right? Like you got your Japanese hoax, ghost, curse. You got your just zombie carnage. In both cases, very effective uh, as a narrative tool, but not a genre. No, totally different. I mean, and they both fit into different genres too. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that goes along with your uh, your found footage is more technique than genre. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else to say about either of the two movies? Uh, no, just that I'd probably recommend them. I personally do uh, like found footage a lot as a technique. Uh, I mean, I'm also a fan of uh, Blair Witch Project, and I think Cannibal Holocaust is also quite a film, good film, so apparently I'm kind of a sucker for this technique. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend both. Are you really a sucker, though? Because, I mean, even out of the examples we, ta- uh, we talked about, we haven't mentioned probably the most popular of the movies in this technique. Because neither of us probably are interested in watching them. Maybe you are. I'm not. Paranormal paranormal activity. Yeah, so that's the thing. Maybe I've only seen the good ones. Because I actually haven't seen any of the paranormal activities or Cloverfield. So uh, maybe it's uh, just uh, I've chosen well. I, I mean, I actually watched the first paranormal activity. Uh-huh. It's boring. Oh. Because it's it's a lot of nothing happening. And then... Loud noises, nothing happening. Like, I mean, like, I mean, you've seen poster guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so imagine that, but longer. Oh, okay. Yeah, Poltergeist is even a little long, in my opinion, too. On yeah. Own. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like No Roy, for some people, it might not have too much going on, but it succeeds uh, just by like, kind of like this weird quirkiness and weirdness of the culture and stuff like that um so it almost can outlast maybe something like paranormal activity for that reason i mean when doing a comparison i do like noroi more than paranormal activity in the sense that not only the quirkiness but actually like how planned out it is right like noroi you're technically watching a documentary an amateur documentary but you're watching a documentary and because of that there's a narrative behind it with paranormal activity, there's literally no narrative mm. until shit really happens. I see, I see. So, like, I don't know. Like, when I watched it, I literally watched it a time and a half. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that doesn't make me want to watch it, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm sure the, the moments that it's creepy, like, you know, you got your, you got your jump scares for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not... So, and I feel like a lot of found footage films are like that. Putting it out there. But uh, we've we've been lucky to watch the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, with that said, yes, if you watch Paranormal Activity and you're like, fuck, I'm not going to watch uh, found footage about ghosts... Watch Noroi. Just watch it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, or, and watch Wreck because, again, it's not the same genre. In fact, they're different. It's just a style. Watch Wreck. Totally different. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I mean, Wreck might mm-hmm. legitimately be one of the greatest zombie films ever made, if we're putting it in that category, too. Wow, that's that's a strong statement. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, there's not that many great zombie films. But, I mean, like, I, I, I would rather watch this than a lot of stuff. Like, it's right up there with at least 28 Days Later of, like, the more contemporary zombie films. All right. What about the remake of Dawn of the Dead? I need to rewatch that to evaluate. I did enjoy it the first time around. Because, I mean, obviously we're not going to put it uh, as high as uh, the original, right? No, no, no. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, 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 I never thought about that. That's, you know, that's a really good point. I think it's in the top uh, five, at least. You know, you, you might be right. You might be right. Uh, you, it, it's, it is definitely within, holy shit, you're right. I think it is in the top five on horror movies. Uh, you mean zombie movies? Uh, sorry, zombie movies, not horror, but zombie movies. Um, although, you know, maybe Warm Bodies would be better. I haven't seen that. Have you? Or Life with Beth. Okay. Well, I apparently have some watching to do because I have not seen that. Either. I'm just joking. Okay. Uh, those are, those are uh, uh, two rom-coms with zombies. Uh, I've seen both of them. Okay. They're not bad. They're not horrible. They're not good. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I, I do not recommend them. And we're not talking about them beyond what I just said. But no, I, I do agree with you that... Um, I think it's top five on zombie movies for sure. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I'm, sorry, I'm just very surprised about that. Yeah. I mean. I never thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so different from the Romero films that it's uh, hard to uh, compare. It's right. just like not a natural comparison. No, it's not. But, but it. Well, Romero did a found footage film. Uh, he did, which I have not seen. Uh, so that's why I refer more to the original trilogy that people consider mm-hmm. to be actually good movies. Um, right. Because Romero's found footage is considered awful. That's what I've heard, yeah. The Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, nope, I think that's it. Uh Send us an email, zafilmtofilm at gmail.com. Uh, use the Twitter and tweet at us, zafilmtofilm. Uh, and uh, that's it for me. And if you can, you know, you know, give us five star or like us or whatever. Yeah. Do all of those things. Uh, tell your friends, you know. Tell your friends to listen to us. Tell, um, tell your frenemies to listen to us. Yeah, if you if you do not like this podcast, if you do not like this podcast, tell your enemies. Say like, "Hey, this is really good." You know, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I I continue listening to it though. Just hate listen. Yeah. We love those. We love the hate <laughs> listens. Yeah. So uh, many no. hate listens. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, again, thanks everyone to, for listening. Uh, see you in the next two weeks. Yep, see you in two weeks. Bye.